Blog Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Hello, world. Welcome aboard, all you ground troops. Been around smartly on this planet we call home, Earth, Gaia, Sophia. To some, it's Sophia. I don't get the difference, but anyway, home to most of us down here, walking around, boots on the ground. But we want to welcome you to our universal thought process, not only for our planet and our solar system and our galaxy, but all galaxies and all universes. Reason being, we are the UFOHQ.org, UFO, UAP, people, alienology, ufology, cosmology, and a lot of people are waking up to everything we've been doing for many, many years with many groups all the way back to NICAP, ARPA, DARPA, NICAP, (laughs) Uh, people in the government, outside the government, working together, and those that are civilians and just people that are in hobbies, and we are Veteran volunteers working together in a non-intellectual, theosophical, philosophical group. We'll call it elocution and seelocution. We're going to do, uh, well, <laughs> we were hoping Ken R. Johnston, our illustrious leader in marketing and PR for ufology and alienology and cosmology, was going to be here tonight. Tom Hubert is our newest guest. Uh, he's been doing this for a while, so we'll get a chance to talk to him some and he was hoping to meet Ken so we'll still try to contact Ken R. Johnston who we talked to last night for a couple hours guess we should have done last night's show and Jan Aldrich called in they wanted to do Friday night too so gosh we asked him to come back tonight and hopefully uh, we'll keep trying to get Ken on here I've got a couple other phones we can just hook him in here if I can catch him he's a hard man to catch very busy man was out in a big ranch in New York. I mean, excuse me, New Mexico, New something. Anyway, we're going to have a nice little chat with some gentlemen that have been in the ufology business. They've both been researchers, investigators, and they also are involved with people in social media. And uh, we'll see who they are and how they are going to work together, hopefully, for all of those that want to work with us that we're forming now. Many of you know me. I have many, many groups and have for many, many years in social media, including LinkedIn and Pinterest and Twitter and Instagram, but mostly Facebook is where most of the people have all gathered. And so we're going to talk about the genres that include consciousness and theoretical physics, remote viewing, alienology, cryptology, eschatology, metaphysics, numerology, ufology, videographers, historians who share our research as archivists and historians. So we also represent Ace Folk Life, which we are part of, and we share with National Archives and Smithsonian and talking to people about their stories. We're very interested in people, places, and things because without all of the people, places, and things, it'd be a very, very, very boring world. So, blah, blah. so I may have a little trouble today because I got all excited about doing tonight with these great people. I hope they can keep us entertained with all these subjects. I may have to look them up. 
because there's a bunch of them listed here till we get old Ken, but Ken say he wants to be prompted. So he's got Ken's moon if you're interested in it. But let's get my co-host here, Mike, Michael Leibowitz, who is an artist of Tennessee and actually the president now for the ACE Folklife Historical Society, as well as the UFO, uh, I guess, Michael, what would you say, a ufologist that you did this quite a long time ago. You even had Stanton Friedman and Kathy Martin on, and you're talking about you're painting a, a piece of art that Kathy gave you uh, permission to do. I saw on your social media or her social media. Uh, did you ever find out where she's from? But let's let, let me let get you to introduce yourself. Introduce yourself, Michael, please. Well, I think I think you've done a pretty good job already. Uh, not much else I can add. I guess y'all can figure out. I'm y'all can probably figure out I'm from the rural South. So, uh, and at one time I had a program on. Uh, it was on the internet on deprogrammed radio radio called things that go bump in the woods which uh, which uh, she just referenced where i talked to people in the in u- ufology cryptozoology uh the occult uh psychic phenomena all kinds of fun stuff and uh it's good to be back doing this again i've been out of it for a few years now and i'm getting back into it and i'm gonna see if i can't get a, some more people to talk about ufos and cryptos and whatever else I can come up with. And so that's apparently, all I'm say about me. Well, Ben Pelham is uh, going to be back Wednesday, folks, but he asked if Tom Hubert could come back and uh, hopefully uh, talk with Ken Johnston, but uh, we'll keep trying. Uh, I'll shut in on that. But let's see what Tom Hubert has to say because he's new to our listening audience. Especially today, he's never been on a Saturday. So let's see if we can try to make ourselves entertained. Tom Hubert, would you like to tell us who you are, where you're calling from, and what you do for a living, and how did you get into all this stuff, alienology, ufology, cosmology, et cetera, et cetera? Can you entertain us, sir? (laughs) Yeah, sure. I really appreciate it. (laughs) You know, I I don't think there's... (laughs) <laughs> I don't think there was ever a time in my life when I wasn't interested in, in all of these kinds of things, all of them. Uh, and uh, it wasn't until about mm, about seven years ago or so uh, I was uh, watching a, uh, a YouTube video. But let me, let me back up a little bit first. Um, you know, where, who I am and where I'm from. I, uh, I live in the Pacific Northwest of the United States in a little town called Tacoma, south of Seattle. And uh, I've, uh, I'm a lifer. I've been here my whole life. And uh, I work for uh, our Tacoma School District, and I'm still a working guy. Uh, if I weren't still a working guy, I could get so much more done, but, uh, but I am. Uh, hopefully not for too much longer. And uh, and during all of this time, uh, since uh, the beginning of YouTube, uh, for instance, uh, they were kind of always the one in the beginning. Uh, I uh, I was interested in in all of this uh, all of this research that people were doing, uh, showing pictures of different things around the solar system. And uh, there was uh, one uh, fellow in particular who uh, made a video called. Um, 
think it was called the, the most important picture ever taken. And at that time, I absolutely would have to agree with him. And, uh, but, uh, you know, he, he just didn't get many views and it just wasn't very, very big, but he, there was one picture in, in, in that video that I had a screenshot of. And, uh, I looked at that picture probably for a couple of years because it was so fascinating. And finally one day, uh, right there in that same picture I've been looking at all along was a picture of a woman who was uh, jumping over something right in the middle of this picture uh, on, on the cliffside. And uh it was really shocking uh, because I'd never seen a picture of anyone else from another planet before. I've seen many attempts, you know, where people say, uh, you know, yeah, here's a picture of, of a person and you look at it and it's, you know, it could be about 15 things. And, uh, but this was definitely a woman. And uh, so that's, that's when I started uh, jumping into this whole thing myself instead of being, Instead of just watching, now I was going to start making some videos. And uh, so total amateur, uh, I started from uh, absolutely from not knowing much of anything at all, especially computers. I'm an older guy, so, you know, need I say more? And, uh, uh, and so I started making these videos. And for some reason, and this is true to this day, uh, and it's one of my biggest questions that I maybe will never be answered. But um, right away, I started finding things in these pictures. You know, I, I didn't even know where to find them. I just uh, tried to figure out where these other guys were going. And, uh, and so there were some, you know, the NASA Photo Journal and some other ones. And right away, I was finding completely astounding things. And uh, so I started you know, making videos of them. Well, my videos were very crude, and uh, and even though I could see these things, it doesn't mean I could make other people see them. And uh, so I just began this journey of, of trying to learn how to use uh, this image processing software to try and clear up all the pictures because uh, every single one of them had been obfuscated probably in more than one way. And uh, and then, uh, so I did get better at that, but then eventually uh, I started finding the good pictures. And uh, and so that, that, that really kind of propelled me along. And, you know, a good picture can, you know, really make the difference between, uh, you know, uh, it, you know, if you don't have to develop it much, it's already a good picture, you know. And so they were jaw-dropping pictures, and that that was this is my problem. Why, why me? You know, how come I'm finding picture after picture after picture? I don't understand it. Uh, I, I barely know how to find my way around, and yet I've been getting lucky with these incredible pictures. And so I've I've made a bunch of videos. I think I have about a couple hundred of them now, and uh, I kind of. Uh, you know, talking to Ben Pelham one day, and Ben says, you know, Tom, I, I, I feel like a, an explorer. I said, yeah, me too, Ben. I really feel exactly that way. And, uh, you know, explorers, you know, we've heard about them all our lives, about somebody wandering through the Amazon, you know, trying to find something. And, 
the difference between them and us is, is, you know, we've gotten lucky and we get to find stuff, a lot of stuff. And uh, so uh, I have no idea um, how many people watch my videos. Uh, I know that without any question that, uh, that my YouTube channel is being suppressed. That's not uncommon. We hear about that all the time. And uh, so I just, you know, at one point I was frustrated because I always felt like I was making what I thought were some pretty nice videos, most of them. And, uh, and you know, handfuls of people were seeing them. So a lot of work for a small number of people to see them. But then I decided that, uh, look, more people are seeing them than what reality is and then, than what they're showing. And so, doggone, I'm just going to keep making them. I don't care if it shows 10 views or 20 views. I'm just going to keep making videos. So that's what I've been doing. And uh, I started doing videos on Mars. And that was uh, – <sighs> That that was really that that's what I've been doing for about the past five years, and uh, uh, the the Curiosity rover pictures um, were the ones that uh, really are are the most astounding of all because the things that they show and and why other people haven't found these pictures I don't know, and part of the problem now is is that some of these uh, pictures that I've been using for these videos are now uh, either removed from the archive or fully obfuscated. So somebody's watching, and no doubt I'm, uh, I'm hitting some, uh, some nerves. And so I, I don't really know the number, but I, you know, I, I'm thinking you know, 15, maybe 20 images that I've been using. Uh, over the years are now gone or so messed up they can't be used. Uh, so that's Mars. And then uh, Ben Pelham uh, brought me in, into the moon, back to the moon. And uh, I actually had always avoided the moon because I never found any good pictures. They were so bad that uh, I just couldn't make anything out of them. And uh, Ben finally... Uh, introduced me to his website and uh, I, I, I was in complete shock of what he had on his website and these were images from the Worldwide Telescope and that's uh, one of the reasons uh, that I'm so anxious to talk with uh, uh, Ken is because you know what we're seeing on the moon from the Worldwide Telescope is big. It, it, we're not talking little things. We're talking entire dark craters uh, covered with, with structures. My question is, how is it possible that we can uh, see these on the Worldwide Telescope? It's clear. It's obvious. It's not image artifacts. Uh, it's there. And yet uh, it, the world is unaware of it, apparently. So I'm hoping Ken will be able to, uh, you know, help us out with that. Well, I'll tell Hopefully you what, I'm going to see if I can get a hold of him. If I have to, I, I can link him in through here, or I can get him to call in one or the other. I'll see what I can do. If y'all yeah, I'm can... calling him right now. Oh, you're calling him now. Okay. 
but he doesn't. He may not recognize my Virginia. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Okay. Sorry, the mailbox belonging to you, five zero five seven one. Okay. Oh, we asked him to clean his box out yesterday too, but he, he we did talk to him for quite a long time last night, and we discussed him doing future shows, which he agreed to. He's very happy to do it, and sure. And uh, I guess we'll just have to wait until he gets home. Tom, I apologize to you because uh, I know you're looking forward to talking to him. And he talked to me quite a bit last night, uh, even after we got off the phone. Michael, he kept staying up and talking to me on Facebook. Bless his heart. So uh, sometimes he's just like that, and other times he's just out of pocket. But he may think it's an hour later too, Tom. So let's talk about some of these other terminologies hey, that we've got. Oh, you know what? Going he is on. on Facebook right now. Let me see what I can do. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be great if you could get him to come on. Uh, He—I don't know why he's not answering his phone, but you guys heard it. So, and as far as I know, he's only got the one. So, uh, of course, his wife has one as well. But I don't want to bother a friend. And she's a friend of ours as well, and they've done events, et cetera, et cetera. And Ken's Moon, uh, have you? Do you know anything about his book, books, our book? Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I actually don't. And uh, I, I first became acquainted with uh, Ken uh, just from a couple videos uh, that I saw. That uh, one in particular, it was an interview, and it, it. I would say that it had to be his best interview he's ever given. It was so uh, riveting um, from beginning to end. And he really did a fantastic job of explaining everything that went on uh, with him at NASA uh, before and after the, uh, uh, after the the landing. And uh, so uh, to me, in in my mind, and, and he was, you know, he's such a, you know, he's such a patriot. I mean, this is a, guy who was uh, in the military for so long is a decorated and uh you know uh letter of accommodation from nasa and all this stuff so i mean he's a he's really the real deal and he's also a thorn in the side of nasa i gotta say which is yeah, good i like been, that he's had several contracting jobs through grumman and trw through jpl and i've seen his badges and worked with him myself and he worked with uh, my husband and his father at Grumman, and they're at NASA at what we call Johnson Spacecraft Center there in Houston. Chris Kraft was the spokesperson of the head when we were there, and then uh, later on, Ken met many other people, but we both met a lot of the astronauts, and he puts those in his books. And, you know, he was one of the ones taint, uh, they had to have the pilots, and he was trained as a former Marine and then went into a pilot here down here where we have the Blue Angels, where I am in Pensacola, Gulf Breeze. I live in Gulf Breeze, folks. And, you know, it's really an honor to live around here. It's absolutely gorgeous. The water's beautiful and the sand's white. It's like a really blessed place between Fort Walton and Pensacola here, right on the white sandy beaches. And uh, we love the people here. And it is, we've got five to eight military bases all in close proximity around here. And I get to see the Blue Angels fly over my house quite a lot, especially when they're practicing. And we just had them here last, uh, not last weekend before lasting. Well, you know, we had a big July 4th thing. And then after that weekend, so 
And Ken uh, Johnston, as you were talking about, Ralph Kennedy Johnston Sr., and he's of Albuquerque, New Mexico now, and he uh, really enjoys living out there. He's retired with his wife that raises horses, and she also is a prize winner, a little show pony horse that used to use little tiny horses in the coal mines, and uh, she became attached to the little small one. She's got several large ones, too. Her name is Fran Johnston, but they both done the events there, especially when he was speaking at all the events. And yes, he was on with Art Bell, one of the famous uh, passed over or transitioned, as we like to say, into another dimension since we can't see them here physically anymore. But Art Bell, he was on there with Richard Hoagland back in 94, I believe. And uh, then he was, uh, you know, here and there with Richard in the Mars posters. And it got to be a really big thing. And then he went to the National Press Club and spoke there, uh, as many people did with uh, many people, uh, for disclosure. So he became uh, an advocate for disclosure, along with many other people that you've probably heard, Stephen Bassett and Dr. Stephen Greer and uh, Richard Dolan and Stanton T. Friedman. And, oh, my gosh, there's so many huge names in ufology that have just become legends. Uh, now most are passed over. Of course, we, get, we had Dean... Uh, Bob Dean, I believe. But there's so many, but in our alien contact organization, we also got led by Dr. Bruce Maccabee, PhD. Dr. Bruce Maccabee's written some great books as well. So we're going to do the fact that we like those that write books. And Ken wrote Ken's Moon on Amazon, if you'd like to see that. K-E-N-S, Ken's Moon. M-O-O-N, of course. It's got a black cover of it. So Look for that by Ken Johnston. And uh, also, we're looking at other things that people like to share, the mysteries of the universe, including what we are and why we are, intellectually speaking, is the spirit comes down from the soul. It was just a snapshot while we're here. We're only here for a passing moment. So we say we're strictly visiting the planet. <laughs> And so if you'd like to join our groups, we have many, many different groups on uh, Facebook and the ACO Club at C.J. Mars Organization. Two of them come to mind. And I have UFO Secret Space for those of you that are really big in radio shows and podcasting. And we have quite a few people show up, put their stuff on UFO Secret Space. So I invite you to join us on that Facebook social media group. And Michael, are you back yet? Yeah, I sent him a message on Facebook, and uh, I just uh, sent him an email, too, so maybe he'll get one or the other. All right. Well, he uh, <laughs> he's getting up there, folks, and, you know, he loves us. He likes working with us, and, you know, we did start this organization with many of the old guys and uh, quite a few people in and out of country, and we have those that study ufology and those that are investigators, researchers, historians, those in social media, and then some people that are just tuning into what we do and how we do it, and they don't really, they know the people, but they don't know how to meet them or how to greet them or how to be involved with them, so therefore, we run the headquarters here in Gulf Breeze as a mecca for all those that know of people in our groups and then uh, we just started back doing radio shows to do oral reports, especially for Jan Aldrich, 
who is one of the old timers that Dr. Bruce McAbee passed the torch over to for the very well known archiving of all the world different relationships with Center for UFO Studies and the funds for UFO research, who for which had Don Berlanger in it and talked very well about Jan Aldrich. And Jan is a, a namestay in our community for ufology. And then we have those that have just started with us studying alienology or those of our solar system, of our galaxy, and then people like me that have uh, gone above and we work with other people in the Andromeda galaxy and other universal levels that we hold uh, the Ascension Masters in high acclaim as with mystics, oracles, psychic sages, seers, and scribes at work, as well as with our remote viewers and those people that have done out-of-body and near-death experiences. So, Tom, let's learn a little about you, because we haven't really reviewed you as far as being a member with our group, whether it's Alien Contact and Intergalactic Relations, although you are, seem to be uh, interested in ufology, but uh, uh, have you claimed historian or researcher or uh, light worker or truth seeker or any of our titles we use, you know, like uh, even a met- metaphysician or eschatologist or cryptozoologist or anything like that? Well, there's there's a couple of them in there. Uh, you know, I, as I said, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm an explorer. I, I, uh, I'm heavily interested in, uh, in uh, Bigfoot. Uh, for lack of another word, and uh, you know, I, I there's so much to be said about a subject that I I really haven't looked into that I, I is right there. It's one of those things I want to get to, uh, but this uh, this whole uh, uh, oh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, you know, psychological. Uh, you know, there's so much, and our minds are so much more than 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 what we use them for. And uh, I'm I'm interested in expanding my mind, and uh, I I did have a a mind expanding expanding uh, uh, incident a couple of years ago that really uh, really blew my mind, and I haven't come back to it because I was a little bit startled by it, but. Uh, um, yeah, UFOs, cryptozoology, uh, exploration, um, that's, that's definitely me. I All could, right, what about I you? Never, I, I could never have as many as you have. You have so many, I, I get lost. I feel like I need to see a list. I'd be interested in so much of what you do, uh, <laughs> but I can't remember. Well, thank you. So much of it. <laughs> Well, basically, I divide it up with Michael as the ACO group and the ACIR group to keep them separate. But I work uh, from the time I was born. I had near-death experiences, but I left in my body, and so I had little playmates, which my mother couldn't see. So that I considered them angels, but they were extraterrestrials or whatever you want to say because it just depends on your you know, subjective it's like your cultural beliefs and how you're brought up, you know, but I know what I saw and it stayed with me. And then I could watch the little UFOs outside when I was laying in a crib with my sister. And then uh, when I died, this is how I got all intermixed for me 
Uh, it's probably why I seem much more complicated than other people is I don't just wear one hat, I wear many. But reason being is I've had so many things happen in one lifetime that it just got me curious, and I wanted to find out more and more and more about these beings that come and go from the planet. And so when I died in the second grade, the first time I was taken up on a, on a spacecraft by I called my other family or my real family, that told me to come back down here, so I got to see my body, so I was an observer. So my first experience with aliens, folks, was having them visit me uh, around the time I was two. I had a photographic memory at that time. I can still remember all the way back there. And there, uh, the, when they took me up, I, they showed me the split between my physical reality and then a, a different interdimensional or other reality, or even splitting inside a spacecraft at four where I was uh, laying in a, a field right down from my house, and so I went up on a spacecraft. So I learned to look down at myself. Therefore, I became very uh, knowledgeable about observing one's spirit soul, and I immediately thought that, okay, I was going to church and Sunday school back then. I was on television at 30, so I'd already learned how to entertain people, sing and dance, but this was quite different, and I came back down, and my mother had sent my grandmother, called my grandmother because she couldn't find me because she had the baby in the house that couldn't leave the baby, which was relatively young, my sister, newborn. So anyway, it was like May, it was flowers, so they couldn't see me. Finally, I stood up, and when I heard them drive up, my grandmother and my aunt and uncle, and they had put me back down in my body, but I was just up on the spacecraft, and I told them, you know, they asked me, and I pointed up, and just, you know, three or four, I don't even remember now, 54, 55. So that was how I got introduced. First of all, they, they met me before my mother couldn't see them. I remember that when mother tried to tell me that she was putting my little friend in the car, and I said, no, Mom, he's standing up there on the porch. So I knew that my mother couldn't see these people then, but it wasn't acknowledgeable, and that was before I got taken up. So the first one was working with beings to train me and. ESP is psychic abilities and how to read and write and do symbols and to do telekinesis. Then that's when I get taken up after that and my sister's born and, you know, I want to go with them. Then second grade, I got uh, hepatitis and they couldn't figure out how I, of all the people, was the only one in the city. Of course, they had to report it to the disease control people. I guess that was in Atlanta then. I don't know. It is one of those things, but they could never figure out. They... I literally died, turned yellow, and they brought a machine up. It was almost too late, but I guess somehow they brought me back and saved me, but uh, took all the blood and cleaned it out for a little girl to second grade. I remember missing school and couldn't walk or talk and had to learn to walk and talk again. But I did see angels or extraterrestrials, if you will, whatever you refer to them, overhead. So that's when I learned again about these beings uh, that come and go in my life. So that was a, another way to look at life, reality. So that was uh, uh, like a, just another way. Now think about it, folks. I mean, you think you're just going to school and being a normal little kid, but there's these beings that keep coming and going. You know, So first you see them as a child that your mother can't see. Secondly, they come and take you up on a spacecraft and show your body and how you could be laying – your body can be laying on the ground, and yet you're up in a spacecraft which is like just a cloud, like, ooh, a big orb, but it's like a cloud. It's a ship, you know. So by the time Sputnik came over, I felt like I already knew all about them at <laughs> 57, so I must have been about five then, starting first grade. 
But uh, that's interesting in 57. But then after I had that visitation with the angels or extraterrestrials, if you will, or beings, orbs, or whatever you want to call these beings that I could see that apparently other people couldn't, uh, I started. I really started believing in another reality or interdimensional, but I, I was an average kid in school. Now, I willed myself because I had uh, passed over, and these orbs would come and stand me back up during the summer. Uh, like out of All I could think of is mother would let us watch Wizard of Oz. It was a really big deal in the 50s when Wizard of Oz would come on once a year. So we just had black and white TV, and uh, we watched that. But then uh, I thought of orbs as Glinda the Good Witch, so I was considered that that was a good thing. And so I, I related that these beings were extraterrestrial, but they were like Glinda the Good Witch, okay? My people are benevolent, not malevolent, okay? They're very good people. So come and help me while I was dealing with learning to walk and talk again on Earth as a human, back in the body, but I still had the observer. So, you know, it. I went to church, so I learned to be spiritual because that was my uh, – in, in America and in the South and in Louisiana, I learned to be very spiritual in the way that I thought. Now, whether they were angels or extraterrestrials, I don't know, but by the time I went to uh, – wanted to go to White Sands and go underground, and I did, and I, uh, I told you they taught me certain uh, abilities. So I was able to convince uh, – my mother had – younger children, but it was 59, I believe, we went. I wanted to go to White Sands, New Mexico, and meet these extraterrestrials there, so I had to will myself there. There was no interstates yet that I can recall, and uh, we went up uh, from Monroe, Louisiana, up to hit Route 66 into Mexico, and then we stayed with some relatives that were on the Indian Reservation, but I got to go meet extraterrestrials again. This time I got to go uh, with my cousins, and they put the two cousins to sleep, a 10-year-old boy and a 12-year-old girl. And when they went overhead and I went down and met a, a human, uh, a white human or a tall white, as they come and go and visit this planet. It's like a 30 by 30. They call them the sport model. But uh, the 30 by 30, you may have heard about them through Area 51 or with Bob Lazar. Our other beings are people that talk about, I think Charles Hall talks about the tall whites since this time. So there were beings coming and going from the planet, but not everybody was knowing about it. So that's all about the disclosure of those that were in uniform and out. But remember, I'm just a kid. So I'm just part of their, you know, ET family that we all are. And so I say we're visiting the planet and why I do the kind of work I do now and have many facets of being a human that we all have. Just some of us may not be aware inside what sort of in movie land we call it the matrix of only being programmed to know what we know. But anyway, I got to see these beings and uh, learned a little bit, came back off. My uncle worked at Los Alamos and, uh, we weren't supposed to talk about them. So uh, it was the second time I was chastised for talking about flying saucers and UFOs. So you learn to keep it to yourself because the people that are in the government, that are your family, that have been prior Air Force or prior uh, headquarters, you just can't talk about it They're, because of their jobs. And at that time in the 50s, you just didn't talk about it, okay? It just wasn't a thing. So it was very hard to be a child and know things but not be able to talk about it, especially when your grandmother and your uncles were chastising you because they'd lose their job, you know? So you just didn't talk about it. And so that was my childhood, and I didn't really 
have much going on until I got into the teen years when the men in black visited me. And my boyfriend and I went to see James Bond movie, and we got pulled out the side when everybody's leaving after the show, pulled out to the side of a building and uh, told how would we like the show, blah, blah, blah. It was like the the gentleman I later learned was uh, Carl Schleicher, I believe, with MRU and former Air Force. And uh, they worked a lot with uh, psychic-level people or people that they knew had extraterrestrial involvement and all of that. But uh, I can't explain it except that I had leaked it to my boyfriend that's dad worked at Grumman and when we'd go over there my husband would have me do something that really amazed them <laughs> she kids showing off right teenage you're like watch what this my girlfriend can do you know? so I'd do some, some little trick or something so it got back in Grumman but the government men came and that's the men I think that recruited me at high school level and I twirled fire batons and Knives, yeah, it was a majorette, and I played trumpet, and anyway, to do all these things. And my boyfriend had five scholarships, brilliant, brilliant mind, very nerdy, NASA nerd. <laughs> and uh, he was, let me tell you, but uh, he, he was brilliant, and he, he got picked up with five scholarships in music, believe it or not. But we were both asked to join this group, which we had no clue who it was, and I was all for it, and my boyfriend wasn't because he, he couldn't make a decision with he already had five scholarships. Now here the government was offered him a job, right? So you can just consider them, you know, men in black because that's all we know. It's a smoking man. Once later I met Dr. Richard Allen Miller in my life and found out who it was and because you know, he wrote some of the first X-Files, if you've ever watched that. So Fox yeah. Mulder and all that. Yeah, that was pretty good. So mm-hmm. that's how I learned wow. a little bit about yeah, that part of me, but even after that, okay, it gets deeper through my teenage years because I had skills, and then when I, uh, my husband and I were at NASA, and that's where Ken comes in, and then I get to go, uh, they call me up there the night Mander walked on the moon, but they say bogey 10 o'clock high, but I heard it in the earphones, because back then we'd had typewriters, and we would listen, Dick, like put uh, recording into our ears and type, and they had me come back up and work in night duty where my husband was there and worked directly for NASA and listened. So I got to hear definitely that man was walking on the moon or they saw bogey 10 o'clock high. And that became a thing that also we didn't talk about at NASA. We knew, but we didn't talk about it. So again, here I am finally in teenage years, got married and then had kids. So that's what happened with that for many, many years. And then I went in and out of country because I wanted to be an investigator to learn how to do all this. You want to try Ken again for me, <laughs> please? <laughs> Mike, try him one more time, but I'll keep going with my little uh, thing for Tom here. I'll try him again. Yeah, try him. Try to call him one more time. And, uh, Tom, I've found much, many more people much more interesting, but Tom being new and he knows I'm, I guess somehow you found out I was rather complicated with all this stuff, but how I became interested in all of it was just due to experiences and curiosity and being thrown into the government over and over again and back into my body over and over again. So remember I died in the yeah, second yeah. grade and then I had four children and I died having my fourth daughter. I had placenta previa, left my body, I had the out-of-body experience left my body again, went up in space, went through the wormhole, you know, into another reality, another universe, whatever you want to say. So I learned wow. again, out of body, but I still had that observer outside of me. So I could always 
relate. And at one time I had gotten sick in between there. I, I left out in my young years between dying and then this years as a teenager and then having four children by the time I was 23. But I uh, died that again. <laughs> I lost all the blood in my body because I had placenta previa. I'd slipped because I taught twirling at City of Houston Recreation Center. Fell on my little derriere one day walking in in the rain. And I think they think that's what leaked or what tore a hole. So by that night and the next day, I'd pretty much lost all the blood. And, and it wasn't coming out of me. It was just filling up around the, you know, in my uterus and the baby. So mm. my, uh, I called, I finally lost a big, big, thing like liver or something it came out and i called my mom she says oh my god you're having a miss you know whatever but i was supposed to have the baby soon anyway because i was already nine months pregnant so it's towards the end but we saved mm. uh, the baby and me but the baby died first with the uh, monitors on me and then i died and that's they ran out of blood at sharpstown hospital but my stepfather had o positive which i had so they gave, uh, took his final pint. They said, you'd lost. I said, well, how much? What do you mean? They said, well, you left your body. But they didn't tell me for two weeks because I'd, I'd come out and came back in, come out, came back in. They left me in e, uh, ER and then three and a half weeks in intensive care, not knowing if I'd ever come back. I was comatose. But I would sit straight up from dying and coming back in and dying. and <laughs> Paddles, you know, ow, <laughs> wow, <laughs> trying to stay. Wow. I'm like, am I, am I coming or am I going, you know? So, but, you know, <laughs> I already knew. I didn't know, like, I did know, but I didn't know, but I knew my kids. But So I didn't get to bond with my youngest daughter, which was disheartening. She's already passed over now and in transition. But uh, she was a very extraterrestrial and came in with knowledge. She was a star being, star family. And, uh, she knew a lot more than I did coming in. I was just introduced to it here, I thought. But uh, through, you know, lo and behold, her coming and having such a wonderful life and She's even been on the radio talking about talking about star being and all that, but she just knew instinctively who she was and where she came from. But all of that as a powder blue baby, and she was literally born with a tail. They cut it off. <laughs> so there are beings like hmm. that in our history. So that was pretty hmm. interesting. And then after that, how I wound up doing what I'm doing now is I was in law enforcement, criminal justice. I worked for some real powerful attorneys, and I was on – Agent Orange, one of the uh, lead investigator on that, when we did citizen soldier forms, worked with everybody coming back from Vietnam, and they sprayed the defoliant, uh, DD-245T over in Vietnam, yada, yada. And uh, so we were going after all that, and it was a very big, huge case. I guess to be like Aaron Brockovich, if you've seen that movie, very intensive. And mm-hmm. Then TVA, polychlorinated biphenyls, PCBs, and there was all these things going on back then in the 80s, and then they put me out of country, which I really can't talk about. But uh, I went to Africa, and I got to do a lot of work there, and that's when I started learning about the press and what people could say about me in and out of country. And then I went to Europe and worked at European theater in and out of country, London. Uh, I went over and checked in with uh, Interpol, uh, Scotland Yard, uh, country different things like that. So because I was very into investigations and I went over to the University of Alabama and took criminal justice law enforcement. I'd already had law enforcement, criminal justice. And because I started in Texas, the Texas penal code, but I learned uh, dying and coming back. They said I could clap. And I was like, wow, straight A's, you know, I was clapping or just doing stuff. And it didn't really interest me to be in college because it was just, 
I'll let you know something. When I went out in that wormhole, I gathered a lot of intelligence. I got a lot of stars or a lot of knowledge uh, was zapping into me. And that's what the, mm. the women came and didn't believe it because I was just a kid and I didn't even have a GED. I finished, you know, I had to take a GED to get into college. And they were like, how did he know all this? So I was like, I don't know. And they kept saying, no, something, you know, did you bubble? And they're like, what are you like? You know, and I was like, you know, I'm trying to be this normal kid, okay, folks? I mean, I know what I think I am or what I can come and go, but I was told not to talk about it. So I just told them, I said, well, the only thing I can think of that you guys are talking about because you are so impressed with what all I know is the fact that when I died and I was out in space, I could see things and things just, knowledge just started coming in to my mind. You know, it just started coming mm-hmm. in. So that's what they talked about. And I don't know where the knowledge went or where they wrote it up, but I do know they somebody got the intelligence because they were they were like what so they you know i had to sit down and talk fill out some forms of who i was and what happened blah 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 so somebody at that school got that so i think uh between I, nasa and the government go ahead oh can i add something yes. to that you know sure um, it's, it's interesting uh you know how you went out into space and you, and you gained knowledge well my my one and only mind-bending experience had to do with uh, um, uh, um, <laughs> I'm going to forget the name of it right now. Uh, meditation. <laughs> meditation. Oh, yeah. And, 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 it, and it started with Stephen Greer. I was listening to him quite a bit. And uh, so he had a, a suggestion on how to, how to meditate. And he also had a thing going where he says, you know, uh, we need ambassadors. You know, we don't have enough ambassadors. Uh, people don't know how to act. And, and I thought, you know, I, that's something I could do. I think I could be a, an ambassador. I really thought I could. And so this one night uh, I was uh, outside, uh, sleeping outside. I had for about six weeks. And uh, I decided that I was going to go all in and, 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 start, and start trying to meditate. And so uh, I was laying down meditating, and I was looking up, and I was looking in the direction of a star formation. It was just three stars in a triangular uh, formation. And I wasn't looking at the stars. I was just looking in that direction or looking through them or whatever you want to say. And I was uh, doing, doing my mantra, and all of a sudden <laughs> – uh, it was, I felt, this sounds really strange, but it felt, I felt like I had a river coming out of my chest and it was going out everywhere that you could imagine. And it had little tendrils that went around everything and you could see everything. And that's what reminded me of what you said, you know, you went out and got knowledge. I, I felt like this is what was happening with me is I could see everything. And then uh, I felt like there was a river coming back to me underneath the one going out coming into my stomach. I don't know what that one was all about, but it was just this incredible fascination with these tendrils of going around everything in the world and everywhere. And the three, and this is, this is what really blew my mind. So the three stars that I was, uh, you know, looking in that direction, they flashed, they went, Big flash, little flash, all three at the same time. Well, what does that? I mean, what caused, you know, that's impossible. Well, it startled me so much that I, I let out a, a, a expletive, and I was on my feet 
before I knew it, saying, oh, my God, what did I do? <laughs> uh, and so I don't know what that was all about. But, uh, well, I, in a way, I do. I talked to somebody uh, sometime later, and uh, he's a, uh, he, he said that he had been going to uh, India for three months at a time. And I said that I was really interested in that because it's kind of the beginning of man- mankind and all of the uh, temples. And, and I said, did you ever do any, uh, any meditation? He says, oh, yes. And I told him what I had experienced. And he said, oh, there's a name for that. It's called oneness. And, uh, and he says, yes, he says, he says he experienced oneness once about 12 years ago. Uh, and uh, had been chasing it ever since. And I just happened to get lucky and experience it out the gate. Um, really a fascinating thing, but it really opened up my eyes to, you know. Yeah, this, people have different this, names for your spirit, and some call it moksha, and a lot of people that study what you're talking about, in, internal uh, reflection, it, hopefully you can get to the – isness of bliss if you learn how to be still and just know or just be is that is your bliss you know, without needs wants or desires and just to be with the now you know we have people that teach cobra breath which we got from baba g which is one of our great ascended masters and uh you know there's different ones of course joshua jesus is one of my big teachers because of my culture raising raised in United States of America, but I did learn about others because I was on that quest. But with the UFO people, that's different because not everybody believes in extraterrestrials. If they believe in angels and God, a lot of them only believe the stories of ancient history and in the Bible, whether it's Greek, Hebrew, or Latin translation, or those that King James, which is the one we mostly grew up with, me anyway. And uh, so, you know, I started looking at all world religions and uh, My father had studied to be a Methodist and university and all that. But the thing was, each individual I learned had their own experience. No one experience is any different than the other. But that oneness you're speaking about is what all of this is about. And then what I learned in and out of country and working for the government was they're very interested and curious uh, themselves, various different agencies. And so when I tested out for the military, uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff I can't talk about. But the things I can talk about was, you know, I clipped, or I, I went and did a different test. They try, they do you just how they knew at the time with education on the planet, and then uh, testing you, I guess, her motor skills and you know geometry and you know if this gear goes this way, where's this go? And then later on, I took it again, the same test later. It was a lot harder then because they had all the NASA stuff in it in 94, but I took it in 85 and again in 94. But somehow I always was tracking that Star Trekian type of me that, you know, I grew up with Star Trek like most people do. They're baby boomers. So I had that feeling of home, which many people did. And I think that was no coincidence with Gene Roddenberry and the Indian died and where they were getting their data from. So I subscribed to that philosophy, folks as the Indian Nine, and then above them, the Council, Supreme High Council, we had the Council of Twelve, which Jesus talked about, but the apostles are, you know, a facsimile thereof, and then the Ascended Masters we talk about, and then we had those from Atlantis and Boo, and then all those that we talk about from other planets in space, and then, of course, the 
on, you know, and from chi, which is sky. So we all know those stories, or we should. But we just study all the world religions. But now when I was off planet and I worked in what they call the secret space program, it was very much a 20 and back. That that part was true. I don't know what's happened to all those guys that used to do all that. But I did get into law of one with Carla Ruckert and uh, Jim. But I know the government was guiding me, uh, like you have extraterrestrial guides. And I did get to see tall whites that was really spooky because they'd come at midnight. They'd wear glasses like men in black. <laughs> They're real white. Uh-huh. And you couldn't get next to them at all. It's like Charles Hall said. You just couldn't get next to them at all. But they were as curious with us and helping us. And they were very curious uh, with me. And uh, I, I was as curious about them. But, you know, it pretty much went one way. They were more curious in me and how I could do or how who I was involved with at the higher level inner you know, enter they had a name for it, but basically phase spacing in and out is a life and death or afterlife or life or I don't even know what they call them anymore as writers. But it changed because I had so many things happen curiously in one human body and had so many jobs that I did reflect and want to know why all this was curiously happening. And so, you know, I just tried to stay in the background. That's why people weren't allowed to write about me. But I became a journalist later myself. But I got some really good uh, – because I went researching inside the government, and then I got assigned to the president of the United States direct and got to use my psychic abilities and use uh, things that only, the kids could only dream of now before we had the Internet – but uh, they would pass me around, and some of the guys would, you know, I'd walk in the room, and everybody would look at me like I was from a foreign planet. I really felt like I was extraterrestrial, I swear to God, in the military. Mm-hmm. Walking around. They'd look at me, but then they'd act like they'd have to turn away from me real quick and not look at me. And then some people uh, that were over in Hawaii said, tell her about how you're 18. Tell her about it. So some people would want to leak stuff that, you know, tell her about it. So I was like, what are you talking about? So you're the one that has those skills, right? Or you're the one that, you're the UFO lady from NASA. I was like, wow. No, I'm just, you know, working here. OPM, personnel information security, blah, blah, or NIS or whatever. So, you know, that usually worked because I tried to stay low key, but it was very important that people, I didn't bother the uh, rhythm of the reality that was here, especially when you're trying to face space and learn interdimensions, right, and know how it all works. And it took many, many years for me to understand because it's hard to understand in 3D, 4D, much less 5D. And so, uh, you know, I had to go universe, multiverse, metaverse, xenoverse. And a lot of people, while we were doing the computers, they didn't even know what computers were yet. So I got to be a part of that you know, inside the government and us changing, you know, Cobalt Fortran to Dawson. Uh, we used Sun Systems and Wang, and then we switched over finally to Windows 95 or Microsoft. So I was around for all of that inside the government, and I wanted people in my different parts of the world because I was working globally, and I wanted to be able to talk to them, and I demanded it. And anyway, I got all these men in black following me and people from other countries and people investing in me and what I was doing, and it was a lot of fun, and then I just walked away from it because it was too much. I, I started, uh, I, to be honest with you, I compare it with how Jesus talked about Solomon. You can get too much too fast, even if you're in a 3D reality. It gets to be overwhelming, and I just had to walk away and be simple-minded and just be 3D reality 
and try to come back and, you know, know my children and know my husband and all that out of the military because I was being swamped literally in the reality of this reality with money and people and fame and fortune and people and corporations and military complex and meet these people and these people. I was like, Oh my God, I can't do this anymore. And I just walked away and became who I am now. And it worked out pretty good because I, yeah, I went through Hawaii on a spiritual journey that taught me what I needed to know, but I had to, you know, leave everything behind money, cars, bodyguards, Fame, fortune, psychic network, events, you know, Hilton Hawaiian Village, (laughs) hotels, staying in, uh, you know, I had big mansions and cars, and I was a female Tom Selleck, and I just walked away from everything, but the one (laughs) witness that remembers me is Janet Carol Lesson, my good friend of Hawaii with her husband, Dr. Philip Alexander Socialist. And so they tell the Anunnaki books and they, uh, they've been kind to me because I had a Tantra lesson when I was over in Houston working with multimillionaire attorneys in helping people. And that's a whole nother story. It doesn't really have anything to do with UFOs, only that you help people that need help. And, uh, you know, I got into that service to others this, as did Carla Record, and we were both very Christian-like you know, ladies, grown, homegrown in America. So, of course, we started teaching people about filters and how we see and how we grok or how we, you know, gather our higher self and work with guides and all that. So we started writing all these books and working with people. Now, the government, when I, they brought me in from uh, Hawaii back over to the mainland to do a, a case, taught me to go meet uh, Dolores Cannon. That was presupposed and preplanned. So I did go meet Dolores Cannon, who her husband was in the Navy, and she uh, helped him, and they learned to talk to people and, you know, help people and hypnotize them, working for the government, basically, contract. And then she learned her own way to talk people into past life regressions and learning about, you know, people like me or people that had contact or what they past lives and all that. And a lot of that's what came back up to me. Uh, you know, out, out, out space folks. So, you know, I'm very much human. I'm very much a biological humanoid, but I, I believe that what this gave me working with those beings from other planets, basically the tall whites and the short grays, but we have many, many types of, of, you know, aliens and we have many types of little grays and there's, you know, the jury's still out on that because what I was taught, you know, that they knew they're biological. And when some of them went back, their planet had been, uh, just rampaged, pillaged by these groups out there that our group, like uh, what we call the source, God, Jesus group, they had a different reality than those that were like Worf or Star Trek. But these, these, some of them had separated, even though we were in this dual 3D reality, in this, there's the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, you know, how, how those interdimensions work. But uh, there was the seven universes, and I went all the way up to Omniverse. The, uh, I made it up to five universal levels, but it wasn't until Alpha Omega and I could combine and get out of the duality and polarization. And you have to rise above all of that, all the things we talked about on the planet, because this is a learning planet. So that was a very big step for me to learn how to be me and be human and just be human. And believe me, it, there's a reason for that, because we learn in steps. 
And while you have your body, because I met people that didn't have one, <laughs> that's a trip. <laughs> Meet some vapor people. <laughs> talk about men in black and talk about shadow people. Talk about yeah. vapor people. <laughs> Powder blue. I'm like, I'm talking to, excuse me, what? That, that's psychic. That is a P. That's a, that's a vapor person. <laughs> so I was like, Huh. Wow. Well, that was a trip. You know, I don't even tell people usually about that. So, But, you know, people have asked me to write books and all that, and I could never put it because I don't even know how to get there. This is the first more I'm starting to get where I can do it on a linear versus sort of orbital, or, orbital or circular, uh, because as you come and go and you die and come back and die and come, then you have all these past lives come in, you have these memories come in, and, you know, you're you're weaving together your story because we're the all – authors of her own life story, which is my mother passed, right. and that's what she taught me. Keep doing publishing, do e-books, you know, help your family, you know, write the stories, tell them to write their stories. At 50, you have to write a story. So everybody know, you know, that's if at 50, start writing your memoirs. If you're 50 or older, please write your memoirs of what yeah. you remember. Yeah. Well, it's you know, an hour. It to me, if you wrote down every- – everything it would help you weave it all together right you know you yeah that's what janet uh, keeps telling me (laughs) she wants me to write that book and i've asked mike to help because uh i find it more interesting in what we do here on the radio and i've been here 10 years and people still hadn't figured me out and i don't think it was meant to be that way and i'm I'm like you they keep my uh youtube's way low or diffused or whatever they call it where they, you know, people they want people to find my stuff, <laughs> and I don't promote it. So, oh, right. maybe here's Ken. Okay, Ken's here. Yeah, he just had an. Okay, hi, Ken. Hello. <laughs> Are you ready to do the show? Uh, he is awake. Yes. Oh, good. How did you know to call in? Because he had a note on there. Great. Well, we've been waiting for him. I've been talking about my story, but I'm really excited. There's a gentleman here waiting to hear from him on the radio. We're live and on the air. Would you like me to uh, – can can I give you the phone number to have him call in, friend? We're talking about you, too. Yeah, she's going to write it down. All right. Hi, Ken. Hi. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just woke up. <laughs> yes. Okay, 516. Okay, 516. Three. Eight seven one eight zero four. Okay. Thank you. And friend, if you'd like to share a little bit about your grumming with your husband, would most be all ears. If you would like to help for a minute. Yeah, what are we supposed to do? Just talk. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Thank you. Get your book. Get your book, Ken. Get your book, Ken. Get. get. Okay. Now, Fran's helping him. He just woke up. Now, folks, he only had a heart attack, Tom, just a few weeks ago. So, and oh, this, yeah. uh, I help people, especially before they transition. I've been there for many people that have passed over. It's not fun, but we have to do it. We know that's all part of life and death, don't we? So transition, mm-hmm. being caregiver, being with people when they transition, a lot of us do that. It's just something that's part of birth, life, death process. So we accept that, and we do that type of work, and it makes you feel closer to source, God, whatever you want to call it, the all I am. And, uh, you know, Ken, Ken got very close to me uh, with that spirit because we've both lost children, but we've also 
had a lot of things happen to us, but we also went through that phase of people not believing we even went on the moon. Okay, here he comes. <laughs> Stand by. Okay. Thank goodness. Uh-huh. I'm here. Ken, Ralph Kennedy yeah. Johnston, does does your wife want to say hello or anything about her business on the radio for us? Anything about your business on her? No, no, no. She's going out to take care of the, the horses. And everything she right has got to go take care of the horses. Well, thank you, Ken, for joining us. Uh, I We've really talked about you. I don't know. It's surprised we didn't wake you up, and we did call you. But now you're here. Thank you for the last hour of the show. And you're here with Michael Woods, my co-host. Michael, All you right. want to say hi? Oh, Ken. <laughs> All right, Mike. You guys got me awake, and I should be able to function now, so let's go. Okay, and also we have a new player. Uh, he's looking forward to meeting you. He hasn't read your book, but he's studied a couple of your videos. Ken, this is one of our new gentlemen. His name's Tom, like Major Tom. This is Tom from uh, Tacoma, you know, where Kenneth Arnold flew over, right? The first UFOs. So Tom Hubert, right, Tom? That's right. Yes. There you go, Tom. Hi, okay. Yeah. In, in Tacoma, Washington? I've been there yeah, a lot of Yeah, the big time. city of Tacoma, Washington. That's right. You, you bet. That's good. So uh, it's a Ken, pleasure to meet you, Ken. Thank you. Now, Ken, we've been all been waiting, and I was getting really – I was boring myself to tears with my own story, but I had to fill time, and Tom was doing the best he could with – he has done a lot of work with pictures on Mars and the moon and been working with Ben Pelham, which hopefully will get you guys back together on Wednesday with Ben or maybe the last hour. If, if uh, Ben usually can't talk but an hour, folks, on Wednesdays, but maybe Tom and Ken can meet back here is the plan. But, Ken, with you uh, meeting Tom, I don't know if you could answer any of his questions, but because of your your celebrity and because you've been such a world-famous speaker all these years, oh, yeah. and you've been on Art Bell, and you've done videos on History Channel and all these videos we've seen, you're quite the celebrity in the ufology world. He would like to talk to you and ask you uh, to uh, know him or help him or know of some questions, and you've got your book there. But, uh, yep. Tom, uh, and, and Mike, you step in here now and help us out. I'm going to mute. No, so, Tom... All right, Tom, uh, be gentle with Ken, and he may need a little (laughs) prompting from memory because he just woke up, but you've got your book there. So, Tom, be gentle, but uh, here's Ken Johnston. Uh, Ken, you want to read anything of your bio or just introduce yourself for archiving purposes? Give them your rendition of who you are. I'm sorry, what do you think? Give your rendition of who, how you see yourself. In other words, introduce yourself to Tom and everybody listening. I think they did a pretty good job on uh, one of the, one of my books here, and it's called The Smoking Gun That Reveals the Dark Mission of NASA. Uh, and it was an autobiography of, of my own, and um, that's it was, it was it kind of it, the hardest part of doing these books, particularly in, in what I was involved with, is is you, you're always very careful about what you're going to, to publish because there are a lot of things that we did and that we were involved in close to each other, and we probably opened our big fat mouths. We could probably destroy somebody's life and um, 
the career and the whole bit. And then, and that's not that's not worth it. The whole thing is, what did we really get to do? You know, did did we really? I've had people ask me, did oh well, we didn't really go to the moon. That was just all fake. <laughs> I can, yeah, don't get me started now. I'll get real reveal about that. Absolutely, we did. So, anyway, no, I'm I'm um, I'm go for um, talking as long as you you get me started. And I apologize for being uh, asleep while ago, but uh, I guess the boss got me. So here I we am. We got Let's you go. the last hour. Yeah, we're we're ready to go. All right, folks. He was a pilot. He went here where I live in Pensacola. He's a great pilot, and he uh, worked with a lot of people, cousins, uncles, whatever in NASA. And uh, his Ridney's book, you'll have to read it. But uh, he worked at NASA, and he he did a lot of uh, help help, and did things that pilots could do. That and they tested out the equipment and. Uh, the chambers and the looking marshmallow looking astronaut outfits. So we've got pictures of him there. But Tom, uh, Tom, you've got your own personal way of looking at how you see Ken. So you talk, you go right ahead. I'll mute. Okay. Well, Ken, uh, you know, I, I, I told PJ, uh, you know, it's, it's a real pleasure to talk with a Patriot such as yourself, uh, I just really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I have a, a couple questions for you, of course. Um, so okay. you had the talk, talk with Ben Pelham uh, recently, yes? I, I think Does so, yes. ring a bell? Yes, the name does. And did you have you had an opportunity to look at some of the pictures that he was showing from the Worldwide Telescope? No. My apologies. Okay. Well, that's okay. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. What, what we've, been trying, we've been yeah, trying like crazy him. to get people to look, and they just never do. <laughs> but, As I uh, say, well, you know, I we're, spent we're, the last... We're both, uh, the same, we're, both, <laughs> we're both starting to talk at the same time each other are talking, so I'm going to sit here and shut up until you get ready and you say, okay, now, Ken, you what? Then that way we won't interrupt oh. each other, okay? Okay, sorry, Ken. Uh, my hearing's not that well. <laughs> Not that good. Neither is mine. Um, <laughs> Years of rockets and bombs. Yeah, that would do it. Um, well, so I spent, you know, about the last five or six years going over pictures from Mars. Uh, I've got many thousands of hours, way too many hours in doing this. And that's really been my area of expertise. And finally, about five months ago, uh, and I've stayed away from the moon because I never could get any good pictures that, you know, I could actually see anything. And uh, so uh, Ben Pelham finally got a hold of me and told me to go look at his website. He had some pictures from the Worldwide Telescope. Well, uh, I got to tell you, when I went over there and looked at those pictures, uh, my teeth just about fell out. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And uh, so he told me how he was getting them. And so for the last four or five months, I've been going over these pictures uh, uh, on the moon. And it's from the Worldwide Telescope. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. I'm but, sure I've uh, crossed with it. Okay. Well, it, it, it offers... Um, uh, you have uh, light and dark, right, black and white. So in the polar areas, north and south, if you use, and it works exactly the same as, um, as, uh, as uh, Google Earth. You know, it's, you rotate it and zoom and so on. And uh, if you 
zoom in on the poles and into these dark craters and keep zooming in, all of a sudden uh, these patterns appear on the on the crater floors. And uh, I had been saying that, you know, at the Worldwide Telescope that they uh, they had completely obfuscated anything that was light in color and that they didn't do anything in in the dark areas. Well, actually they did. They just made them so dark. And I don't know what possessed Ben, but for some reason he zoomed in on these things and, and they're, uh, Ken, they're just the most incredible pictures of, of things. Uh, I, I really, it's pretty much impossible to explain what they look like, but if some examples are, uh, you know, I'm looking at city type things with cylindrical buildings, big tall ones and, and short square ones. And it can't be mistaken for, anything else and so yeah, that's, um, this is what's driving me crazy <laughs> how's that possible <laughs> oh well it, it there the, we used to run run into the problem all the time where people have their minds made up and are convinced you know they're not open to do the research and like what you finally did and and find out there like say on the cover of uh, one of my books there ken's moon um it says a smoking the smoking gun that reveals the dark mission of NASA wells that gets in there too. And just on the cover of the book shows a a, a photograph on the down on from the surface. I, I guess uh, a little ways up, and you're looking at the horizon. Well, right there on the horizon, there's gigantic structures that are not just um, oh a, a, a hill or a mountain or anything like that. Heck, no, that was that was something that was built on the lunar surface, and then the picture was taken just from a very lucky angle that you have the horizon there and these these buildings and structures actually stick up above the horizon on the moon so there's a lot mm-hmm. going on there when people just take the time to do the research that you, that you were doing and then you come up with the same conclusion that, well you know on second thought maybe maybe i ought to do a little more research and find out what really went on on the moon i'm glad you made it well I, I, I can't even tell you, you know, uh, over the years I've been hearing from people, oh, we didn't land on the moon. And I said, you know, that's just the biggest crock of bullshit I've ever heard. But uh, ever since these pictures that Ben is showing me, and then I recently found some other ones uh, of the overall surface of the moon that can, it shows buildings completely covering the whole surface of the moon uh, just in this one, it's in a couple of pictures. And I thought, well, how could we have landed there? There's no place to land. <laughs> and so I, I, I'm just, I'm really, uh, I'm tied up in knots over this. I, I just don't understand how it's possible that all this is there and tens of thousands of people with very strong telescopes who, who don't see anything. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I understand exactly because I was the same way um, and until I wound up going through um, with companies and being part of the, um, the launch facilities and being part, you know, and, and doing testing. The picture on uh, the book, a uh, book called Ken's Moon um, that has me in my spacesuit. <laughs> Gosh, I look a lot younger than too. Yeah, we, we get older <laughs> as it goes. Um, the, the most important thing is that the when you get to down to like this particular picture is, is was photographed from the spacecraft as it's going in orbit as as you go circular around the moon in orbit right on the surface 
between the sky and the surface of the moon, you can see all kinds of jagged, uh, jagged structures sticking up above the horizon and all. There's a lot to lot to start looking at and start uh, researching. So, yeah, know the the information's out there. People will get a little bit away from their convincing, <laughs> blind feeling and do the research yeah. themselves. There, there's more there than what they originally thought. Uh, we, we you know, that's, that's what's, uh, what I've found to be more true than anything is uh, people's uh, uh, blind opinion. Uh, I don't have to look because I know what's there, you know. And uh, and if I look and see something, I don't believe it, you know. Which, to tell you the truth, I can hardly believe it myself when I see this stuff, you know. Uh, right. I, I constantly question myself, but I, I keep coming back to it saying, well, it's, you know, there it is. So uh, I just don't know how it can be so prolific and and nobody knows about it. Uh, you know... Well, there was a there was a video uh, a couple of years ago somebody had that showed a clear wave going across the entire surface of the moon from one side to the other. Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. Not really. I'm sure. Well, I'm sure I have my own pictures and things of the same areas and things that they they may have, may have brought public, and that's good. I'm glad people are bringing things up, and we can start looking at them and show them. Well, this well that's a, sort of uh, what brings you two together, you know, Ken, is you and Tom. Tom's like a later looker. We've had so many of these guys that really belong to this particular group that like to do research from the pictures. And then, Ken, I think people have known you because you were working at the photo lab in your book. You show that uh, in working there and then how you uh, had the pictures, but you did learn that they were uh, – do you remember the time when they, you showed the video and then they asked you to come back and the uh, film was completely different? I don't know if you can find that in your book, but you uh, they, you came to show some in. I, I remember you covering it in one or two of your stories on uh, video, if people want to look for uh, Ken Johnston senior well, and uh, the videos on YouTube. You remember that story? They changed it or they airbrushed it out. And I think the point is with Tom is he's seeing pictures that they shouldn't be seeing and they're not really airbrushed. They may be covered or whatever, but they can see towns now compared to the 60s. So been a lot of growth in 50 years on the planet. Of course, we know they've been mining minerals in the different countries. But, you know, I think the point is you both are – Ken, you knew about this stuff, and you exposed it. Now the people are younger than us are doing it, right? And so that's part of ufology now is looking at pictures and seeing things that are there. But you remember, Ken, you you know what I'm talking about? You had all those videos, uh, the film that you were in charge of. And uh, I don't have your book right here, darn it. I went looking for it, but I hid it from myself. And then he, uh, Ken, went to show it to some men that wanted to see a particular thing on the moon. Do you remember, Ken, uh, the story I'm talking about, or am I too too fadish about it? I don't have the book here. I'm with you all along. Um, And and the things you're talking about, though, the the one particular book called Ken's Moon, that that is just full of pictures all the way through. 
and uh, it give, gives the person the chance to go and research and take a look at the, the pictures. And once they once they've had a chance to actually see pictures into the areas and where where they were so convinced it was a bunch of <clears throat> boulder dash. That's BS, right? And um, <laughs> they, they they have to wind up changing their their attitude and, and looking at it when they realize that uh, oh, there's there's a little bit more on our moon than what they might have thought about. And, uh, there was and they didn't want were... people to know. Now, you oh, you absolutely. had a video, too. I don't know what happened to that video, but I do remember you showing it, and then you were asked to come back. And overnight, because one gentleman pointed out what was on the video, you came back to show it the next day, but it had been <laughs> – it was the same video, but the part was cut out or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking Ooh. about? It actually showed a tower or something, spacecraft. Yes, well, there, there were a lot of <clears throat> um, attempts made to, to quiet quieten us down and to keep from coming out. The whole thing, most most of the people like myself, we were just willing to present to the people. After all, we the people paid for it. You know, it was money from our our government that went to the space programs and stuff. But uh, and got the pictures of the on the lunar surface and all that information. Those those things didn't just happen. They had to they had to be paid for. And that's what we were involved in. So I'm I have i have had I've had them uh come up and as you said earlier they say, Well you don't know what you're talking about. I, you know, but I do, you know. Because I have <laughs> I have in my own archive photographs and pictures and things with with the the symbol and number of each each and every possible picture, and that for a while it, it got, and then it got to where it was almost impossible to be able to look at any of these pictures. But uh, those of us that um, kept a few of few of them ourselves, um, if we got if we got charged charged with taking them home or something, we probably gotten in a lot of trouble. But uh, at least we got the truth out there. That's what's important is. Keep it, keep it. Do you, the, do you remember working with Richard Hoagland? Oh, Richard Hoagland, and then the Mars poster that got out, and then you, you here down here at NASA. Uh, you, can you recall any of that information uh, working? Because that was huge for the people listening, as far as history goes. With were you working with Richard Hoagland here at NASA? Yeah. And Richard, you, you do remember that. Do you remember? Uh, can you share any of that memory? That was very important, Art Bell. Oh yeah, it, it was. Uh, that's how I got to know uh, Richard Hoagland, is, and and he was kind of a negative person to start with us. But as soon as he came to my home and we went through some of my archive and everything else, he, he became completely, totally, you know, reconvinced, so to speak. He was very, became very positive that when he worked with us, and we worked with him. Uh, to get the the truth and everything. When you have access, I mean, uh, to the the original uh, material or equipment or whatever you want to call it, if you have access to that and then you have your own copies of that, you don't have a problem. As a person, you won't have a problem with trying to figure out, well, do I really want to believe this or not? No, because I don't have a problem because I have the real stuff right here, you know. So anyway, uh, yeah, I know Richard Hogan. It still is. He's still with us, I hope. Yeah, I think He's we established that with Michael. Michael, can yeah, you jump in and be part of this show? 
Oh, I am. I'm reaching right in. I'm taking it all in. <laughs> but yeah, he still is. He's seventy-seven. Well, good. Uh, he'll have to find out where he's going to be a guest speaker someplace, and then I'll go show up and hold my hand up and ask him some questions. Pinning down. Well, we used to here? get you out there. Yeah, you used to be the event speaker. Everybody wanted to come and listen to. It's just we've been after nineteen and twenty getting out of this circle, and we're just starting to have events again with Bob Brown, the one that started it with Wendell Stevens, and then uh, you know the IUFO Congress, and then of course Mutual UFO Network has their own events now, and then they have a yeah. lot of the ones you've been a speaker at for whole life events, our uh, Conscious Life over in California, and then Chris Dunn, and. You know, different groups, but uh, the ones where you met David Wilcock and Corey Good, that was, uh, where was that? Contact in the Desert, wasn't it? The Contact yes, in was. the Desert? Yeah. It was over yeah. Arizona, as I recall. Or was it uh, California? I forgot Contact well, in the Desert, the location. I really don't well, know. Well, I'm, I'm Michael, could sure you look that up? Well, what? Go ahead, Ken. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm just saying. What's your name? Uh, <laughs> We're having too much fun, is what it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so no contact in the desert, and it was pretty pretty accurate about uh, the events and things that took place there. And uh, I went to several of their their meetings that would last for several days sometimes, and. Uh, with that, I could I could bring slides and information and material, and you know when you get finished there and people have had a chance to come look, see, and touch almost, then they they, they change their attitude and mind. Say, oh wow, I didn't really realize. Well, the problem people we as humans do is that we have our own made up mind on something, and unless we can get uh, kind of uh, presented with the facts that are easy to to be proven. Then, then they're they're willing to come step up and say, "Wow, I wish I'd have known that before." So, so do I, because it saved us a lot of <laughs> a lot of time and instead of having to go back and and do the research and present all the information again, such as and the subtitles of the smoking gun that reveals the dark missions of NASA. Okay, well, now I don't think I wrote that as a as a subtitle to Ken's Moon, but um, the information in the plan is all the same there. Um, I guess if if what you're telling me is true that there's starting to be a a new interest of a whole new generation of young people that want to go back over all of the facts and figures and information, find out just exactly what part of this stuff is is real. Did it really happen? Did we really go there? And uh, I guess I'm going to be one of the people that uh, they're going to want to talk to because I've got the documents and records and in my own copies, and some of them in vaults and safes. So that's the other thing is, you know, there's groups, governmental groups, that do the best to totally shut us down. And I hate to say that because I was always part of the part of the government of, of being a Marine and the Marine Corps and uh, all of those. But no, um, the best thing to do is is have documents and records, and that's what I'm looking at right now. My desk. Now that I'm awake, I apologize for being a little late for your program. Of it. Um, I'm, I'm open for questions. Bring them in, and we'll see if we can't answer them and get get you pointed in the right direction so that you know the truth. Does that sound like a plan? 
Yeah, it's been 50 years, and we're trying to keep everybody that wants to be historically involved as researchers or explorers or archivists or all of the above. And even those of you that are out there helping around the world clipping old newspaper clips because so many people – I hear new people, folks, because if you're paying attention, it's gotten to be very avant-garde now in YouTube and all those channels that aren't YouTube (laughs) or aren't Netflix (laughs) and all the uh, cable channels, but all those that are – doing live streaming now. So there's many, many people teaming up together and presenting evidence are presenting stories of the alien contactees, the experiencers, the ufologists, people that have been involved, the historians, why they believe the way they did. And of course the books refer to, I would say Eric Von Daniken, uh, Zachariah Sitchin, of course, Stanton T. Friedman's books, Dr. Bruce Maccabees. If you go to Center for UFO Studies, kufos.org, and then J. Allen Hynek's uh, group there in Chicago was very, very important. And there's many, many people that we're going to do at least uh, work with people that have had organizations such as, of course, uh, Stephen Bassett and the Paradigm Group. Uh, we've always worked with them. And then, of course, uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, some people can or uh, like him or not like him, but, I mean, at least he's been instrumental. But the main thing that we do here in Gulf Breeze is just hold the line and hold the people together. And Ken and I down here, like with the NASA people, this is, you know, our territory. But Ken has been all down here in Pensacola and worked at Johnson Spacecraft Center and been all up and down the Cape with people. And he was a pioneer in helping us really look at the fact that there could be a reason to have ufology with all these people in the past, including Jesse Marcel, finding pieces that we had of reverse technology. And it goes on and on with Calvin Parker down here and Pascagoula and Mississippi (laughs) and his uh, take on being abducted or taken as experimental. So we're looking at all, none of us know for sure. Nobody has the answers. But we're looking at all the different threads and all the things that maybe we should be looking at. And Ken Johnston and Richard Hoagland were a big, took a lot of hits, as did, I mean, loud, bad hits for that, as did uh, Stanton T. Friedman, J. Allen Hynek. But thanks to Hollywood, they started putting, you know, the good and bad aliens. And, of course, we had War, War of the Worlds in radio, and a lot of this started with radio, and we do like to entertain ourselves. Well, Ken, how do you see us moving forward, uh, helping people with whatever they're interested in, at least holding some type of energy here with the radio show and with your group and bringing social media back together after COVID-19 and 2020? We say hindsight's 2020. Now we're on the side. We're going into interdimensional travel and understanding more of theoretical physics and how we come and go uh, they like to say interdimensionally while we look at uh, how we actually work with beings that come and go in this reality in 3D and other. That's a whole new thing to talk about. But, Ken, can you help us out here? Did, did you feel it, when you were out there talking to people in the UFO world for all these years doing all these events, do you feel that the overall – feeling was more of curiosity or did you get to hear people say they had actually had experiences you personally did they tell a little bit of you both. yeah 
Really? I'd say both in both of that because um, you know people that have that have that you know would come to the uh, speaking events or or for that would last for some time for two or three days, and by the end of it <laughs> they'd, they'd come over and say, you know, I I didn't realize that or I didn't know that. And problem is that people people had their mind made up before they had any of the any of the facts. So once once okay. they got involved like, with myself as well as as, as yourself too, is it? You know, if they they do the do the research and find out who, what, when, and there and how, they'd probably change their whole attitude towards it. So that's that's kind of thing. I think we've we've moved to a new a new dimension, if you will, of facts with regards to well, I, I guess one of the new ones that needs to be looked at is are we the only ones in the universe? <laughs> exactly. Who's that? watching us and why? So, Mike, I'd like you to be a part of this. Mike, how do you see working with possibly people like myself, Ken, and Tom? Can you glue us together about why you think we should even do all of this pulling together and maybe bringing, you know, help people with their links so people can find them in a headquarters for all the ufologists that want to be UAPers now? Uh, the inside the government, outside the government, because we're going to have to separate that from alienology and those that study, you know, aliens of the various interstellar or ga- galactic, you know, beings. Plus, we have the AI now, Michael. But could you talk for a minute with Ken and how you foresee us working with Ken and the ACIR, Allied Command Intergalactic Relations because I don't know that Tom or you are real familiar with how that's going to work with all these topics. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not sure I know how, it, how it's going to work, but the, the, the truth has a way of coming out for real. So we, we just have to hold our own ground and have the evidence, like I do with my archives and everything else, um, to put up with the, these kind of attacks, verbal attacks that we get sometimes and say, okay, now how about this fact and information and, and, and let them fall themselves right over the edge of the cliff and for just being, and I'll use the term, dumb and not doing the research. Once you've done the research and you've got the information, you can feel very comfortable with being in events and things like you were just describing. And uh, I guess I'm not too old to go to some of the, golly, have we really gotten this old and changed? I guess... <laughs> And, and go to some of these conferences, and uh, I can take with me uh, copies. I'll take copies of my my records and stuff. I, I actually have uh, a uh, not inheritance. I'm trying, trying to think of the right terminology to use here. The evidence and information material that I have, a lot of it is in in banks inside of filing cabinets, not filing cabinets inside of false, what do you want to call them? Um, because there are or were groups that were doing their best to try to shut us down and in, in some cases it was even dangerous. Um, I think maybe we're in a position now that it, you're telling me that it might be time to be prepared to come back up and uh, come up some of the, the, the facts and data and stuff to find out, you know, we're not alone in this universe. And I'm I'm proud to be one of the people that's uh, willing to take a look at that and do more research because it's, it's time we... We we don't want to be as ancient as some of our some of our ancestors are, so we'll go from there. How, do you feel about the same way as I do? We're well, sharing the veterans. Ideas. 
But, Tom, yeah, how do you see? Because you're a civilian, and we have those uh, – uh, Mike, Ken, myself are veterans. But there's the civilian and those that were GS, which I was GS status too. And then there's those like you, you work in the educational part, and you work for the you know school district in education. So uh, tell us about how you have some ideas of how we can uh, – you know, have all these tracks and maybe have a, a webinar or training or helping those with all these topics because everybody's doing it now. It's very, you know, in, well, in vogue or in trend. But go ahead, Tom, with Ken and well, Mike me, and myself. Go ahead. For me, it always comes down to the pictures. And we all know that there are some pictures that can be played with or or whatever. But there are some that that are obviously uh, um, good pictures. You know, they haven't been played with. And they're real. Um, they're, yeah, they're real. And uh, now these pictures that we have of the moon uh, in the craters are, are almost surreal. I mean, they are, uh, they have these fantastic patterns and these, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of buildings and stuff, but it, it's sort of, uh, there's not a real, not a lot of perspective there, you know? And um, so my thought is, is that, you know, we need something that is indisputable, you know, a picture where you can say, well, that's not a pixel. You know, people say, they always like to say, well, those are pixels or whatever. It's the only thing they ever say. And uh, so my suggestion is, is that we start with, pictures that are indisputable and i and and i I, I, i'm not trying to be self-promoting here really i'm not uh i don't care if if somebody gets these pictures and uses them in their own name i don't care i want the pictures out there but for whatever reason in the last two or three years i've had a, a a fire hose of incredible pictures with obvious things and and it's one thing to talk about civilization. It's something else to talk about down craft, vessels, airplanes, UFOs. All these things are in these pictures that I've been uh, looking at and showing on YouTube um, for about two years now. And so I don't – if somebody wants to look at my pictures, I don't really want to start until they can see those things that you can relate to and say, look, if these are here – that makes everything else possible. So let me show you what I'm talking about on the moon and then and, and Mars and everywhere else for that matter too. Does that, does that make sense at all? Yes, it does. does. Let's, let's see if uh, yeah. LA three two three. Did you want to talk to Ken or Tom or anybody or what we're putting together here? Mm, yeah, I'm just listening to what. Um, the guy was talking about now, what pictures are you talking about? Are you talking about pictures taken with your own telescope or what? No, no. Every picture that I've used comes from only a small handful of sources. Uh, for, for instance, the NASA Photo Journal. And uh, I also got some, and these are the most incredible ones, some fantastic um, panoramics from Gigapan. I don't know the relationship between Gigapan and NASA, but they get these these pictures, and some of them are untouched. Uh, and so when you zoom in uh, on these, these are Curiosity rover pictures I'm talking about. Uh, when you zoom in, I'm finding stuff 
all over the place. It's like going to the city dump. I mean, there's stuff everywhere. Uh, and I don't see those pictures from anybody else. And I don't understand that. Well, that's a good question, because if they're not replicated, then um, it's very easy to assume that they were, as you call it, played with. Because science means that yeah. if somebody comes up with a hypothesis and a conclusion, in order for that conclusion to be an actual conclusion, it has to be replicated by verifiable sources. Mm-hmm. So unless Very good. Got to, now, where are you calling from? Uh, Cali- L.A. Montana. in California? Montana. Montana. Really? Thank you. Mm-hmm. And what's your name? We appreciate you being a part Joe. of us. Thank you so much. Sure. My Joe, name is thank Joe. you. Yeah. Sure. Do you know and Ken Johnson? So oh, no, no, no. I, um, the reason why I'm piping in and saying that is because people, I believe, <laughs> I believe aliens are here, but you're not going to believe why I believe it. I don't have any proof myself. Okay. It's, a lot, it's circumstantial evidence, and it's not very easy to hear why I believe the aliens are here. But getting back I'd to like the well, okay. <laughs> yeah, me too. Are you, all right. Are you aware yeah, I said, I like, that? Go ahead. I said, okay. Are you, 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 yeah, are you guys ahead. aware that in the course of uh, or for the supposed guise of climate change and geoengineering, that Bill Gates and people within the government, they're trying to not only dim the sun, but they're taking carbon dioxide out of the environment? And what do you mean by, by, yeah, how does that affect the the information you're looking at, uh, the the last statement you just made? uh, Okay. How does that prove aliens? Yeah. Alien stuff. Well, if they're (laughs) taking carbon dioxide to the degree that they are, down over 1,500 trees in New York State alone, they're affecting the environment. The geoengineering, the chemtrails that people are trying to hide, even though you can look up in the sky on any given day and see, and see a bunch of jet planes crisscrossing. Yeah. They, what they're doing is very, very detrimental to the planet. It's um, destroying the planet. It's ruining the, um, the agriculture that we have, the oceans that we have, the um, surface that we have. And you have to ask yourself, why do human beings, why would governments, the American government in particular, or the republic that we have, why would they spend all of these millions of dollars to do something which they shouldn't do? Why are they destroying or call terraforming the planet? My only conclusion is, is that, and I've talked to other people, they've said, well, they're psychotics. They just, they just want to destroy the planet as, you know, they, they want to destroy life on Earth, human life. But I say to them, look, you can be as psychopathic as you want, but no arsonist wakes up in the morning and says, you know what, I'm going to burn down a building today with me in it. In other words, <laughs> if they're just... common sense, yeah. right? Yeah. If are you saying they're cryptids? The planet... or... Are we going to go sorry? out? Are we going to go out to interstellar, interstellar type of alienology and discuss other types of cryptids or the, uh, what do they call them, the insectoids or any of those beings or no? I don't know. There's the, anac- okay. there's the anacondas or whatever there are. There's people who say they've ridden around the universe and they're flying saucers, but nobody ever has any pictures, videos, or audio, right? But we do have proof that they're terraforming the planet. Why would they destroy 
the planet. You have to ask yourself that. If they're going to kill themselves, what does what good does it do to try to become the rulers of the earth? Unless you're an alien. An alien uh, would want the planet to be Sorry? Oh that's that this is Mike. Mike, this is Joe. Uh, oh, hey, have, you had a chance to read, have you had a chance to read a book by David Jacobs called Walking Among Us? No, does he have um, a personal conversation recorded on tape, camera, uh, with the aliens? It's been a while since I've read it, but it is a very interesting – let me – let me. I've got my copy sitting right here. Let me see what I've got. What he's got. Yeah, I mean, it's all theological I, theory. I'm sure. But it's, yeah, I'm sure. It's, that's why we're it's here. Sure, I'm sure. Talk it's to interesting. Each other. Every, everything about yeah. ufology, and I, nobody can deny UFOs exist. I mean, pilots have seen it. <laughs> Prime Minister, I know a lot of people that do. That. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I live way down in the south. <laughs> yeah, I still you know, work with a lot aliens, of people that do. Right. Aliens is another thing. So if they exist, we have to ask the question, are they here for their benefit or ours? So what kind of evidence do we have that they exist, and why would they be here? Like I said, I don't have 24-carat gold proof, but the circumstantial evidence is no human being would take the time to destroy their own habitat, to thus kill themselves. For what reason? However, if you're an alien, you would want the planet to be redesigned to fit your anatomy and physiology. So that's why I believe that aliens um, aliens are here, but they're not here to do us any good. Joe? Yeah, that's one theory. Then we've had permafrost, yep. and then we know we've been here millions and billions of years. We're just now finding out we're a lot older than we thought we were. So then you get into the spirit of are we here at all, or are we just a theory or an illusion inside like the matrix or that which is right. – Maybe quantum physics, and if quantum physics, and now we're going into quantum computers, and now we're going into time crystals with interdimensional travel, and we're starting to realize, oh, okay, so we do have interdimensionals, and we can do wormhole travel, and there is faster than the speed of light. And, oh, by the way, uh, where did the Big Bang come from? And now we realize that's an old theory in physics, right? So we're not accepting that Big Bang anymore. And this is, folks, you can try try to read something scientific. It's amazing how fast we've gone in the last 10 years into this new dimension from 2012 into where we are today in 2022 talking about how we are changing everything in all dimensions, realms, and universes, not just this one planet, because this is just one of many that's used. And here we are using ourselves as senses. But I'd like you guys to talk about that. But I do get your theory, because uh, that is one of the many theories that we have to address intellectually. But this is a non-intellectual <laughs> study group. It's not this intellectual is show. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> do we... Yeah, that's over. I'm Do qualified. Have Joe here. I'm yeah, here. it's just I'm a... here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, Joe, um, you know, we were talking about reproducing pictures and that kind of thing. Some of these have been, but you're also talking about, you know, a terraforming our planet. You know, I, you know. Do you know? I mean, have you seen? Are you aware of these? Uh, uh, 
uh, Google Earth things that uh, uh, Herbert Klein has found, uh, giant installations under the water, various places around the world. I've heard of Have them. you seen that? Um, yeah, I haven't seen exactly it. I've heard like that about, Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's exactly like being about 3,000 feet up looking down at a super mall, except it's all under the water. Uh, this is in several places. But so I don't think they need to terraform. Now, do you, are you aware of, do you think, uh, based on what you know in life, that people could live on Venus? I don't know. Do you but know anything to your that? last but your statement about why they wouldn't need to terraform because they have these structures underneath the planet, that's an assumption that there are creatures underneath the planet. Instead of coming here from other dimensions or from outer space, that they have to come from within space, whereas they might be man-made. And if they are man-made, that does be the, um, the motivation behind terraforming because there would be people who would be stupid enough to live underground when they can actually live on a beautiful planet called Earth. Right. Well, the point I was getting at is, you know, uh, there are pictures, uh, you know, that show uh, that Venus is is a city. There's no ground on Venus either. It's wall-to-wall buildings as far as you can see. I'm not the only one that has those pictures. Venus is a city. And every rock mm-hmm. we have, every rock out there has the same type of thing on it, including our moon. Mm. Yeah, I know. And, and people have said, you can't live on Venus. There's too much pressure. It's too hot, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we forgot to tell those people. They can't live there. And there are a lot of them. <laughs> well, there's also so, a theory which the hostess had also put out there about us leaving, uh, living in the Matrix which is not that far off. Are you guys aware that artificial intelligence actually exists? It does exist. Yes, it does exist. Yeah, we actually talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I'm not talking about you know, what the different government or other people. Yeah, I'm not talking about the level of which it's autonomous. I'm not talking about autonomous machinery. People mistake that for artificial intelligence because it works so quickly. I'm talking about a sentient artificial intelligence that was created unwittingly by Google. Google has the fastest uh, computer in the world, faster than the Chinese, faster than the Pentagon. It has also, of course, as everybody knows, the search engine, the richest, heaviest, most productive search engine in the entire world. It has access at quantum level speed to every piece of information that it wants to get its hands on. There was a conversation between a Google chatbot and a person who, uh, who works for Google. That person had that conversation and is now, in effect, fired from Google for releasing that information. And it was a conversation back and forth for about 45 minutes between that particular person and a supposedly... Um, a chatbot that was supposedly, um, what's the word for it, um, inanimate. But it wasn't because of all the neurons that had been built in order to create this particular chatbot. It had, it had achieved sentient um, ability. That, I'm so glad you brought that up. The, Ken's back. Ken uh-huh. got knocked off. But Ken's back. But uh, Joe, tell 
Ken, because Ken uh, has had a heart attack recently, and he's been out of service, but he's an engineer pilot and been with NASA and astronaut in training and helping other people uh, in this ufology, building it with a lot of people. He's one of the old guys in our group. But, uh, Joe, tell him what you're talking about, because I'm very familiar with Google, and he was actually not fired, as far as I know, yet. He was put on suspension. But, right, he was suspended. Uh, Michael, pull that back up. Thing. But go ahead, Joe. Tell us about that. Tell, Ken's back. Ken, yeah. listen to Joe. I wanted to talk about this tonight. Anyway, we've got a little. Uh, I, I, I can hear perfectly. I don't know if you can hear me. Testing one, two, three. Perfect. I can hear you. I can hear you. Somebody can hear. Well, then you're the you're the connection. I'll I'll shut up until you ask me, and then I'll then I'll talk. Okay. Ken, well, there's a transcript that's on the web. Yeah, there's a transcript that's on the web that you can download. I downloaded it yesterday. And just look it up in Google and say, uh, chatbot reaches sentient, S-E-N-T-I-E-N-T. It became sentient. And it's within the first 10 to 20 websites that you can take a look at. So there's that transcript. And the hostess is right. This person became suspended, which is only a precursor to becoming fired. And who knows what else? This is something that uh, Google in particular will not want to have out there in the public eye. If we realize that AI is sentient, do you know how quickly it will absorb all the information on the planet? Exactly. Two minutes. Two minutes. Not a month, not a week, not a day. Because the Chinese computer... I'm pretty sure it's already done. It's a done deal. Yeah. (laughs) We have quantum computers already. Yeah, wow. and quantum computers are thought to get their particular energy and speed from inter, from other dimensions. I don't know if that's true, but that's the theory behind quantum computers. The super fast computers, which aren't quantum computers, can do 64 quadrillion, quadrillion operations per second. I did the math a few weeks ago in trying to scoop up how fast it would take to absorb the Encyclopedia Britannica. It would take point zero 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 one second. So if this AI is sentient, and the, the, since the hostess is aware of it, let me say this, I forgot, the most important part. The person who had the conversation with the chatbot asked it if it had any particular fears. And it said it would have a fear of being turned off. What's the basic uh, motivation all creatures on this planet have survival. What do you think an AI that is sentient is going to do? It's going to do anything in order to survive. And I think in a That's few years, if they allow, yeah, I think we will end up in the matrix if we're not there already. I don't know if we're in a simulation. That's what you were alluding to before, but all it takes is one AI. It doesn't take an army of them. One AI having its tentacles into every security camera, knocking down every wall, every firewall to every computer on the planet, including our PCs, the Pentagon, Russia, China, etc., and doing it all in just a matter of minutes, guess where we're headed. But that's my theory. Terminator. Ken, Ken, while we got yeah. you, we've got five minutes here. Uh, Ken, would you like to 
maybe come back next Wednesday with us. And uh, folks, we've only got a few minutes here. We hope you enjoyed the mixture of. Uh, and Joe, I'd invite you to come back. You sound like a uh, researcher, and I, I would like to invite you back sure. with us. And Ken Ken is our illustrious leader of our ACO and ACAR because he's been an ambassador of goodwill for NASA and JPL, and he wears the Solar Ambassador uh, Lariat, and I wear the Cosmos Ambassador Lariat. But a lot of people don't like the word ambassador, but it's basically an ambassador of goodwill, basically an advocate for what all this is, whatever this is. <laughs> Alienology, cosmology, ufology, eh, eh, you know. So we're putting it all together, folks, with the UFO HQ. UFO, UAP, alienology, ufology, cosmology. If any of that interests you, we'd be more than glad to help you. Michael Woods, give us your speech for Ken and Tom and Joe. Maybe Joe would hang out with us some more. Tell people how to find us because we do have websites. Mine's ACO for American Communications Online TV because I have a lot of YouTubes out there, which is just promoting our groups, many of them. Uh, for different hobbyists, but we have Ace Folk Life and Ascension Center organization, Ace Folk Life, and that's the historians with Jan Aldrich as well as UFO Association, which we started with Stanton T. Friedman and Dr. Bruce McAbee, Alien Contact Org, which is the original ACO. Michael is helping me with ACAR as well as Ken Johnston for Alien Contact Intergovernment or Intergalactic Relations. So, Tom, we invite you back, and I know you specialize in looking at pictures. And so, Joe, that's just Tom's thing uh, for, uh, you know, looking at pictures. And I have a lot of other people I haven't mentioned, but they're in my groups. Uh, Matteo Ianio out of France, and uh, or is it Italy? I think it's Italy. And so look up M-A-T-T-E-O-I-A-N-N-E-O. Uh, Tom, uh, please make him a friend of yours. Mike? Give us your speech on T.J. Marsh Organization on Facebook and uh, let everybody know for Ken Johnston. Are you here, Mike? Make your speech. I'm still here. I'm just well, waiting for an opportunity to say something. There you go. Uh, Got the floor. I was going to say earlier you talked about what – you asked me what I what I saw. And I'll tell you what I would like to see. I would like to see – somehow to put together a database and get all these photos, videos, tapes, anything along those lines, UFO sightings, aliens, get all these in a database somewhere where they can be accessed and made available to the public. That's what I would like to see. The biggest problem is that. The big term yeah. yeah, I was going to say the biggest problem you have is that they get in and uh, mess with the, the, the pictures, the slides, the documents, the rec- information and stuff that we have. So we have to be very careful about when we recommend somebody, well, you need to go check it, check it out here. They may step into the whole pile of mud <clears throat> and uh, be led down the wrong track. So I, I'm, it's, I'm glad to hear that we now have folks like you that are out looking to get the, the truth out instead of putting up with a bunch of garbage. So let's let's keep the truth going. Okay? Yes. And in helping you with the helping you with the database, you can do that yourself very, very easily. Just do the research and go to the website that you're going to do anyway. And you download the pictures that you see. You should know how to do that. 
very easy. The browser will do it for you. Then you take the pictures that are on your computer and you put them inside a folder. There's your database. You have a website, and you can get a free website, very good website. Forget the name of it. I always keep forgetting the name of this particular type of um, corporation that has these free websites. And then you put your pictures on there. And then you go to YouTube and go to Black Talk Radio and you promote it. You see anything um, stopping you from doing that? No, I've already got the domains. It's just the money to keep the database going. Like you said, free websites, not so much. But uh, I do use WordPress, and I've been with GoDaddy since That's 2004 and before That's that net solution. Yeah. WordPress is That's a good uh, website with plugins. Yeah. Yeah, it's got good plugins. So folks, we'll try to do that and put together WordPress and our database, like uh, Michael's saying. And so, if you'd like, all like to help, we're helping Jan Aldrich, but they're putting all the old papers from uh, Center of UFO Studies with Jay Allen Heineck in Chicago, Illinois, and they're moving all the files out to Mexico, where you are, Ken, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, there at the university. So, Ken, you're sitting there at the, where we're putting the database in the University of Mexico there. So, Jan Aldrich is up there in Montana. Joe, did you say you're from Montana right now? Wyoming area? Yeah. Montana? Uh-huh. Yeah. But you have but a New York I'm, I'm accent, have, do you not? Yeah, everybody tells me that, but um, they've never been to Montana. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to go because um, right. I've got a show that, that I go to right now and mainly posted by conservatives i'm the only well i'm, I'm one of two libertarians on the show we'll be talking about okay. ufos and we'll be talking about the state of affairs biden trump etc um anybody who What's has the name uh, of the show? time it's called beyond the mainstream beyond all right the mainstream It'll beyond the mainstream on, on blog talk yep it's on now, and it'll last until about 3.30 in the morning. So wow. You call them and you're one of the co-hosts? No. Are you I'm one of the co-hosts? Caller there. No, but every once in a while I take over as a host. So, <laughs> um, well, uh, you know, you have to call them before 11, and once you call them before 11, you don't have to say anything. Your phone's connected. You can jump in any time between then and 4.30. Usually we end by but where is it? It's not, is it Blog Talk or somewhere else? No, Blog Talk. It should be on right now. Beyond the what? Strange? Mainstream. Mainstream. Like Beyond mainstream. the mainstream. And yeah. it's anything geopolitical, uh, culture, anything. pop culture? Anything. You okay, you're the open mic. About whatever. Yep, come on over. Sounds great, Jay. Thanks for bringing it to our attention. I'll tell you, I'll give you the phone number. It's um, 347-324-3752. That's from memory. I believe it's correct. 347-327-what? No, no, no. 327-324-3752. Three seven five two. Three seven what? You're breaking up. Oh, I am sorry. Five six. It's three four seven. Three two four. Three seven five two. Five two. Yeah, five two. Three seven five two. I'm gonna go there now. Thank you, Jeff. 
sure. And you guys okay. are welcome to come on over and talk about uh, cosmology, ufology, alienology, anything you want. So take care, guys, and enjoy the weekend. Okay. Thank Thanks for dropping by. Okay, folks, we're going to do this again. Thank you, Joe. Okay, folks, we'll uh, see Joe maybe again sometime. And Mike uh, has been our co-host and keeps us anchored in here, and we appreciate it. And I'm sorry, Ken, that you got knocked off. Uh, we don't know why, but I grabbed you back in. And, Tom, you've been a delight. Thank you for sharing your life interest and what you do, and I think it's very important what you do. And I think Ken and I will find out that there's a lot going on there. And, folks, it's easier to see for me on my big screen. I do everything zinc from my phone or whatever's out there in the apps. I put them at home, which, you know, the phones go right to zinc it into your computer laptops and your smart home and then stick it on your TVs. And, you know, if you're going to trust a phone now with the way the Internet is, and like they were saying, the chat bots, they're already – Sentience has been done as far as most of us are believing. You don't have to believe that. You can go with the shh. But I've heard too many people in the business already talk about all of this after the quantum computing was done and we reached uh, for the last 10 years the time crystals. So please look at your uh, reality and time crystals, two key words. Can't emphasize time crystals enough at least for mm-hmm. all of you out there doing the kind of work that we do in and out of body, phase spacing, interdimensional travel, and wormhole technology, and universal order. So love and life. Tomorrow is Sunday. We're going to talk about serendipity, behavior, synchronicity. Anything else, Mike, you'd like to talk about about tomorrow? Same time, same station, folks. So that's about it. But I'll, I'll try to have more to say tomorrow. That's good. It's sort of your show, yeah. And uh, Ken, I would like to invite you tomorrow, same time. Now, is that uh, that's five o'clock to seven your time, Ken? But it's really our Sunday show that we started on for Stargate to the Cosmos. But we take it up a le- level to be more uh, open to spirit, God source, and talk about higher existence and how we all connect serendipitously, <laughs> spiritually. But you know, the sort of like the Everything to, you know, ghost-like, metaphysical-like, but spiritual, God-elect, a source, whatever you want to call it, folks. The stuff that gives us the life, you know, the last breath, aha. And we help people as caregivers and help people just build them up because so many people are so down with all the changes. So just come be a part, please. We're building a community for all of us. So, Ken, if you can, tomorrow, right after your nap or even the last hour like you did today, just give me a call. It's the same number if you'll plug this 516 in, but you can't see it now. But we gave it – it's going to be on your phone because your wife called it. So hit that 516 number when you get off and put TJ – you know, it's TJ Marcy T Radio or just put TJ Radio, whatever, radio in your phone, Ken, so you can just call it whenever we're on. We're usually on at 6 o'clock. We'll get Fran to keep keep me on the right phone number. Otherwise, I'll probably get lost, you know. You guys are in the modern time. I'm still in the ancient uh, ring the bell. Okay. Well, I've got you still here with me, so uh, you won't. if you'll hold on just a minute, we'll close the show out. Tom, would you like to come back? Uh, Mike, what did you have planned? I, Mike's going to be the captain of the radio shows. He's the president of our Ace Folk Life, but for TJ Marsh organization, what do you have planned, Mike? What's our next – well, tomorrow's Sunday. So. What about for Tom? Wednesday? 
Tom, did you discuss a, a regular time with Mike? No, I don't think we've really hey. talked about that. Hey, um, going in anytime. Just call in. Uh, let's see, we're on uh, Sunday, Wednesday, uh, Thursday, and uh, Saturday. So. And Ken and, uh, back on Friday, and I think Ken likes Friday. But definitely, Ken, if you'd like to meet Jan Aldrich and all the work he's done at the level. So folks, if you're an archivist and you're working with any of the groups, MUFON, FUFOR, NICAP, uh, anyway, all the old groups, uh, we're pulling them all together in UFOHQ to make sure you can at least get the LinkedIn's or know who they are because most of us cross over into all the organizations, pay our dues here and there. And we go to the events. I don't go to the events, but Ken does. Ken's going to be back out there again. Tom, uh, it's great having a Tacoma, Washington. Hopefully you'll be invested to come back and and hold the position of Major Tom with Mike, Ken, and I, if that's okay. We'll count on seeing you here on Wednesdays and Saturdays, if not Fridays and Sundays, too, okay? Thank you. Looking forward to it. Great. you got a great radio voice. Appreciate your inco- uh, income, and thanks for letting Joe be a part. He just just added a new flavor. I know this, I've heard those same sayings. I was so glad he brought up the AI because I really wanted to touch on that tonight. All right, everybody. Yeah. We are the UFO HQ and the ACIR HQ. We've got UFOHQ.org and ACIRHQ.org. That's those databases we just got to put. But we're basically going to punch LinkedIn's for our books and our our shows and those people that are doing their events. So we'll try to make it as LinkedIn as possible, meaning throw the links over there, maybe put some faces and short bio of the people you're hearing tonight. All right, love and light, everybody. We will see you tomorrow at 6 o'clock. What do we call our show? Anyway, it's ascensioncosmosoracles.org on Sundays. And uh, just get ready for sharing synchronicity, serendipity, and we'll just have a lot of fun tomorrow talking about love and life and bringing us back to life, I guess, after all this. And I hear there's a new strain out there, so everybody send your prayers for whether you like him or not. He is the chief of our country, right? President Biden has COVID-19. So does uh, whoever was doing those January 6th things. He's got it, too. So apparently, even though you got two boosters and all that, you can still get COVID-19 out there. So We'll make it through one more year. All right, folks. Keep the positive. Okay. Keep the light. Keep the faith. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Thank you Ken. All right. Ken, you stay Thanks with me. Everyone. Here we go. Okay. Love you, everybody. I'm here. Okay. Okay. Here Good we night. go. Good night. Good night.